This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now... The housing crisis has been with us for a long time, and many people would say almost forever. But at the moment, people are desperate, and it's reached the stage where people can't plan families. They can't leave their parents' homes in many cases. They can't afford rents, and they can't even begin to aspire to owning their own home. It's a terrible situation. There are many people who say they have the answer. The present government, uh, Sinn Féin, of course, who are the most popular party in the country at the moment. Uh, they have a housing spokesman, Owen O'Brien, who we've spoken to on this podcast. Everybody thinks they have the solution. And it's a pleasure now to welcome somebody who does know as much as anybody else about it is Rory Hearn. Rory is an assistant professor of social policy at Maynooth University. And he's the author of a book in, that came out in 2020 called housing shock. He's also the host of a podcast along with uh, Tony Grove. The podcast is called Reboot and it's available where you get your podcasts. Rory, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us about this problem of homelessness. The first thing that I'd like to put to you is this terrible news we got a couple of weeks ago that homelessness uh, is back in a big way. 10,000 people homeless in Ireland for the first time since the pandemic. And 2,944 of those people are children. Uh, It's a shocking and sad state of affairs. How does it connect to the problem that people in employment and otherwise or ostensibly reasonably well-off, who can't afford a house. Uh, how do those things connect, if at all? Yeah, thanks, Eamon, for having me on. They do connect very directly. Um, and I know we're going to go on to talk about the wider uh, housing crisis and the locked-out generation. And I actually call them an abandoned generation, um, who essentially were sacrificed for banks, the reinflation of property prices for the banks, for NAM, and we'll come on to discuss that, I hope. Um, Because we didn't just arrive here by accident. Um, It is policy design. And homelessness is probably, 
the most distressing, disturbing example of how policy was aware of how people were being excluded from the housing system, but it failed to act. And the reason why it failed to act, in particular, when we saw the emergence of what I call a new homelessness crisis, um, which was really largely families and children from 2014 onwards, 2014 onwards, and I highlighted it at the time, and we're heading now towards almost a decade of this homelessness crisis um, and wider housing crisis, that essentially what was ha happening was that rents were rising uh, through 2012, 2013. Um, and as rents rose, we also saw this thing called churning going on, where landlords were essentially evicting or giving notices to quit to tenants who couldn't keep up with the rent yes. and couldn't face the higher rents. And they were basically the low end of families of the lowest income were being made homeless. And we saw that year after year, that it is families being evicted, individuals being evicted from the private rental sector. And the problem is, in the past, you would have had councils built social housing. And these families and individuals would not have been reliant on trying to find housing in a private rental sector. They yes. would have got social housing. But because we've had a decade of austerity and 30 years of all governments um, turning their nose up at building social housing and saying the state doesn't do that anymore, the most vulnerable were left behind. Uh, and were exposed year after year to rents rising, to evictions. And a phenomenal figure last year is that we had over 3,000 notices to quit served to tenants last year uh, for no fault of their own because landlords were selling up or whatever. And yes. I, I reckon that is the highest number of evictions of private tenants in this country since the foundation of the state. And that is where homelessness is coming from. It is coming from um, those at the very bottom in society who can't compete to get rents, uh, rental yes. properties, um, and don't then don't have social housing. And so we see the most upsetting was, you know, during COVID, there was hope. It, bizarrely, you know, during a global pandemic, yes. uh, we found policies and policies were implemented like the ban on evictions, um, like the freeing up of, you know, Airbnb was no longer happening, you know, tourism collapsed. So all these properties that were being let out on short-term tourist accommodation or even private rental, um, there was a freeing up of property and homelessness actually fell. And it fell quite significantly, particularly for families and children from March 2020 until um, April 2021. We had a year of falling homelessness. And unfortunately, what the government did then was it then, when the uh, pandemic essentially was being lifted, it lifted the eviction ban. Uh, people could be evicted again uh, by landlords selling up um, for, for, you know, trying to get in higher paying tenants um, and much less property was available. Homelessness has risen again dramatically in the last year. So it is really frustrating to see that we saw the policies that could really reduce homelessness in place. And yet the government then basically said, well, we have to let the market get going again. And this is where homelessness connects with the wider housing crisis, is that since 2012 and 2013, the government policy has encouraged house price growth and rental growth. And we've had a lot of kind of this, this idea, people saying, you know, how are we now in a situation where rents in Dublin, the highest Dublin rents are the highest in the EU? Like, that's yes. just... It's bonkers stuff. You know, rents now of close to 2000 a month 
for yeah. the average rent. And I was look calculated the figures there. That's a hundred and twenty percent, hundred twenty one percent of the minimum wage, which means that you could not live on the minimum wage and pay the average rent in Dublin. You yeah. would be paying over one hundred and twenty. You just wouldn't have the income if you spent all of your income on it. And they allowed rents rise year after year after year. Twenty fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Refused to put a rent cap in place because they wanted to make the rental sector attractive to global real estate funds to build. Because from 2013 onwards, they saw that's where the supply will come from. Now, how can it be that rents are rising as rapidly as they are, and at the very same time, we're told that private landlords are increasingly getting out of the business? So this is an important, I think, um, piece of analysis that is often missed in the the um the, I suppose the current narrative, the dominant narrative. It's it's all this, you know, landlords are leaving, what's going on? Landlords invest in property as an investment. So for them, it is not about we want to stay in place as landlords forever. We want to make sure tenants have, you know, a good home. Lots of them do, but primarily it is a property investment. So when yes. they see you know, property right prices now are probably close to a peak. Um, they're essentially taking advantage of that and realizing their investment. And, you know, there is landlords also leaving, we know, because um, they're saying that, you know, rental regulation is too much. I actually debated one of the representatives on the radio recently, and I read the recent report as well, where they make this point that landlords are leaving. And I asked, well, what do you want then? And what they said was, we want every landlord to be able to charge the market rent, because currently not every landlord can charge the market rent because there's caps in place. And so you do have this situation where some landlords are charging below market rents. But they so basically what they said is, well, we want everybody to be charged the market rent. And we know the market rents, as I've said there, you know, almost 2000 euro a month in Dublin, uh, 1400 um, nationally for the average rent. If you look at um, the average salary is between forty-five to fifty thousand a year, you should be spending no more than between twenty-five and thirty percent of your take-home pay on your yeah. housing costs for it to be considered affordable. That means that people should be spending no more than between eight hundred to a thousand euro a month if they're on the average salary for their housing costs to be affordable. But yet these rents are nowhere. They push people way into, uh, push them into poverty, push them into, you know, unaffordability, unable to save for a deposit. And so I think the issue with the landlords leaving is we have to understand that this is what happens when you treat housing as a property investment asset. Yes. Landlords were encouraged to buy. Yes, they were during the Celtic Tiger. They were given loans. And so there's many landlords who don't want to be landlords anymore. And I think what the state should be doing is you buy it off them keep the tenant in place. The state is actually doing this. Local authorities like Dublin City Council are doing this, but it's too limited a basis. No landlord should be forced to be a landlord if they feel it's not viable for them. But neither should a tenant have to lose their home because a landlord is deciding they're realizing their investment. So I think there should be a measure put in place whereby tenants can be kept in place, but the landlord can still sell the property. And um, and that would keep tenants in place. It would mean that landlords could still sell their property, but you wouldn't see this loss of private rental tenancies. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now, Rory, at the moment, everyone is making promises, uh, including the government and the Sinn Féin, of course, Ona Brin, we spoke to him on this podcast. They uh, have their solutions. Is there a credible solution short of a major building program by the state? And if the answer to that question is no, we need that, where would we get, for example, the tradesmen, in particular, the skills that once drove the building industry don't exist, uh, people believe, any longer. Do we have capacity in the skills area? Uh, and do we have a, a government or an opposition party that has a, a policy that you find credible because you are an, an expert in this. You have studied it. You wrote your book, Housing Shock in 2020. I imagine uh, it would be serious housing shock if you were publishing it today. Yeah, absolutely. It would be. Unfortunately, um, the recommendations that I proposed at that time weren't um, implemented. I had hoped housing for all, the, the government, the current government's plan yes. was going to see a shift um, away from and you are right like the the solution is there is the core of the solution is the state building housing like yes. you cannot get away from that and building housing on a scale that we actually haven't seen before because there are many reasons why the market doesn't work to deliver housing and it's been part of our problem over the last failure over the last 20 30 years is that a number of things happened number one many people came essentially forgot or uh, we didn't talk about what is the true value of housing. The true value of housing isn't the property price. 
it's as value as home. Of course, and shelter. communities. Yes, and also for people that uh, society and community needs. Uh, Absolutely. To, 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 so people can actually stay and live in, in an area to build up roots, to build up connections, to build up um, some sort of social cohesion um, and to build a sense of connection. And this is, you know, we're and also economically, we're seeing now, you know, housing is jeopardizing our economy. Um, and, and, you know, we're seeing employers having to try and find, you know, housing for the workers. But the point, the point about it is that so that we on one level, we, we forgot the real value of home, which is its function for society, for the economy. And it all became wrapped up in property prices and how much money yeah. you could make for property. Secondly, we, we also assumed, and this was the major policy failure, was that the market will provide housing. And really, the state plays a minimum role. That was the utter disaster when they turned to essentially private developers to build all housing and local authorities were told to shut up shop. Um, and essentially, we have to, the core policy solution is to redevelop and rediscover ways in which the state can get back building. And what I also call the not-for-profit sector as well, because it's not just now local authorities who can do it. It's also what are called housing associations and housing bodies like Clued Respond. But at the core of the housing for all policy, the government's policy, they don't really learn that lesson. Because if you look at the numbers, um, and I, I was analyzed, I've analyzed this you know, in detail, that if they, you say they're going to provide 33,000 homes per year, but yet almost just over 18,000 of those, so over half are to come from the private market. So you're still in this situation where you're completely reliant on the private market. And even in terms of social housing, like it is actually your mind boggles with this. Um, 80% of all social housing is coming from the private market, either through private rental subsidies or developers or increasingly, you're, you're, you well know the policy, the part five policy, which required between 10 and 20% of all private developments yeah. to be transferred over as social housing. It didn't, now, didn't happen, did it? It didn't happen. But what's even worse is that the government reintroduced a policy in 2014 that um, that local authorities could no longer just get money instead of the housing, that they would actually have to buy the social housing. And so you'd have permanent housing, at least 10% in private developments. But because of lobbying by investor funds who are building all these new built-to-rent apartments, the government changed that again recently, and it now allows that uh, councils don't buy the property and get 10% social housing, permanent social housing. They lease it. So they lease it under 25-year market rents yeah. arrangements, and they don't get social housing out of it. They essentially, because the investor funds want you know, a continued sort of... Um, supply of, of, of a rental income. But the, the wider point is housing for all doesn't break from that market-dominated uh, policy. And also, if we look at, for example, the new supply of housing, um, if we look at, for example, last year, there was 20,000 overall you know, new homes built. Only half of those were homes available for purchase. Um, and about a quarter were all apartments, which are all being bought up by investor funds. Yes. First, you know, so, so housing for all doesn't break. It doesn't tackle vacancy in any meaningful way, dereliction. It's, you know, we saw the Krina Kronaha, uh, latest plan, which again, you know, a, a subsidy for up to 144,000 per apartment for developers with no affordability requirement. 
they're still caught in this thing. We have to try and figure out how do we subsidize the market? How do we incentivize the market? How do we get the market going again? Rather than actually going, the real solution is you have to actually, house prices have to fall. Rents have to fall. Let me stop you there, Rory, for this reason. We're, we're just experiencing at this moment uh, inflation up and around 7, 8, 9% or, and rising. So everything, uh, the price of everything is inflated. Had the government, any government, embarked on a housing policy two years ago, the price, the cost of it would now, before anybody got on, in the door, would have, would have gone up significantly because the cost of materials, the cost of labor, and maybe in my sort of view, the absence of enough skills uh, in the various trades from carpenters to bricklayers to plumbers to whatever, they're not there. So I, what yeah, I think, I think in terms of the capacity question, it's a really important one. And if you look at it, there, there's about 150 people employed in construction. Sorry, 150, 150,000 people employed in construction in the various trades in the various Ireland currently. There's only in the region of 40,000 of those building homes. Most. Yeah are building yes. you can see, hotels, you can see yes. they're building schools, they're building all sorts of things. So it's not completely the case that we don't have the capacity. It's the capacity is not going into building homes. And part of the reason is, is the private construction industry does what's profitable, what's most profitable. And I've been making the case for a while now, um, and, and I make the case that we needed a national home building company. We need a state yeah. construction company like the ESB, a semi-state construction company that gives tradespeople permanent contracts, proper quality employment, will attract people into the, into the industry. Because I think that's the missing link in all of this. Is that can, can we afford that? I think we can't afford... Not to. Not to. Yeah. Because if we look at where is this heading, like inflation is with us, we know for the long term, likely for the long term. Yes. If you look at the market, the market is going to be even more jittery going forward. We've seen you know, reports in the Business Post in the weekend, developers pulling up the handbrake on certain projects because they don't know if they're going to make money from selling it. We know, again, it's going to be the generation locked out, the younger generations who the cost of living crisis will mean even less likely to be able to you know, save the deposit you know, to be able to buy the home. Um, it is average and low-income people who are going to struggle even more with rents. The cost of living crisis is going to add to that. So the market is going to look at this and go, well, you know, building housing is not probably not going to be profitable into the, you know, future, yeah. into the medium term. So then what do we do? Do we just throw our hands up and go, well, the market won't do it, so we just have to see what happens? Well, I what may happen, Rory, is that the people who own the land will sit on it. And wait. And I want to ask you a question. There was a, a report in 1973 about the constitutionality of a policy that would force people with land, building land, to use it or lose it. But in Ireland, we never had that referendum. We're not even talking about having the referendum. Don't we need to look at this in the round? 
and see that at the heart of this, there is a lot of land that is not in public ownership, that should be in public ownership, and that would allow a government committed to doing so, so to build affordable housing where it's needed. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. That is, the, of course, the Kenny report, um, yeah. which um, proposed to be able to buy essentially land at existing use value, agricultural use value with a, with a, a markup and the state would essentially gain um, when land is zoned for development. And of course, you're absolutely right. Land is at the heart of this. And there's two things in that. The first is that since the crash, what the Irish state got, and I think it's actually one of the Oh, I can't actually think words strong enough to express the frustration with the situation. Where, with NAMA, we had yes. the largest land bank in probably in terms of relative per capita in Europe of state-owned land that could have developed a huge affordable housing program. We could have permanently built and supplied affordable housing if we had used NAMA differently, if it hadn't sold off the land to the investor funds. Now, it still has significant land banks, but and local authorities still have significant land banks. So the first thing we should be doing is using our public land to accelerate a building program. But we've seen, again, that's all the state is not, you know, it's not serious about it. Is any party currently... Uh, aspiring to power or in power, advocating that, advocating that a a government can buy land at the market value, and if people have land, they can't wait for the next boom. And I can't name names, but I know of two people in particular who own a big chunk of County Mead, and they're laughing all the way to the bank eventually. Uh, absolutely. They have no intention of using it. Now, what happened to the Kenny report? What ha- Has any political party aspiring to win the next election or get into power in the next election? For our Sinn Féin, for example, uh, advocating that we have a referendum and that we decide to take out of the Constitution the protection for people who own land uh, and we do that in the public interest, in the interests of people who we need in society, whether they're nurses, policemen, whatever their job. We do need a cohesive community where everybody has an opportunity and a chance. We do. And, and as I said, there's a generation, and particularly within that generation, a social class who have been completely excluded from that. Um, and as I said, abandoned. But they're um, no longer what we would call would have called poor. I mean, no, it, it's, 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 it's into the middle class. Uh, absolutely, it is. It's, it's women and men not being able to start a family. It's men and women, young, well, young, 30-somethings, living with their parents. Uh, or, or leaving the country, which is beginning, I understand, to happen. It is. Emigration is back again, um, not because of the lack of jobs, but because of the lack of homes and, and the absence of people seeing a future in this country. And you're absolutely right. And I'm contacted. I, I speak to people on my podcast all the time. And I use the, the, the podcast platform. I listen to people telling their stories. And they are, they're horrific. Like I describe it as we've stolen the future from a generation because of the failure 
to prioritize them over banks and investor funds and developers. But the question you asked about the, re the referendum, um, I think that it is a right to housing referendum we need. We need to insert the right to housing, which is defined by the UN as the right to adequate, secure, affordable housing, as a balancing to that private property right. There is political party in this state that doesn't believe people have the right to house, at least one. <laughs> there, there is indeed. And I would say there's many amongst the uh, the commentariat and the, the privileged groups who do own multiple properties, who are, and the REITs and the investor funds, yeah. or, uh, who do not want to see Ireland move towards a rights-based approach to housing and do not want to see the right to housing put in our constitution. But I think it is absolutely fundamental. If we're going to break this cycle of boom-bust housing crisis exclusion, we need to do something dramatic. And I think it is about holding that referendum. And I do know that political parties like Sinn Féin are in support of it. The Social Democrats support it. Have Sinn Féin and the Social Democrats publicly espoused this idea that we will, hold, we will hold a referendum? Yeah, they have. And look, repair to the Kenny report of 1973. He was a judge and he identified this as the reform that we needed. It, it, they, they have and they would support that. The question would be, though, if they get into government, what will they do? And this is the yeah. question that I really think that why a referendum is needed is because governments bend under pressure. The lobbying starts, the developers will say, you know, we can't do this. If you do this, we'll shut up shop. Um, and that is why a referendum says it is the people who say it and the people yeah. are given their democratic decision. And that is why I think they were really so reluctant to hold a referendum. But Sinn Féin, yeah. have, as I said, committed to it. Social Democrats have committed to it. So they, if they're going to honour their word in terms of when they get into government, uh, when <laughs> if they get into government, but it looks very likely. And I think Let me put something to you, Rory, because I'm a, a political anorak. I'm interested in it. I know nothing about it, but I'm interested and I watch it. Uh, and I've been around for a while now. The Labour Party has been in office probably more than any other party in this country for the last 50 years. In 1992, Dick Spring led 33 members of the Labour Party in the government with Fianna Fáil, um, having campaigned uh, to get rid of Fianna Fáil. But they don't appear to have been urging, advocating, campaigning for uh, a recognition of the, the core issue as identified by the Kenny Report, land and the compulsory purchase of land if people aren't using it. I think if you look at the Labour Party in government, and I would say if we look at more recently, um, you know, what happened during the austerity years, yeah. they essentially accepted the dominant policy. And as all small parties in Ireland appear to do, the Green Party, aside, of course, from the, the Progressive Democrats, um, <laughs> who were the ones who did uh, wag the, the dog, uh, the tail that did wag the dog, um, uh, they, uh, of course, drove many of the policies which were shifted us yes. towards a more market-based society. And we had, of course, Michael McDougall's famous statement where he said societies needed inequality to motivate people. Um, 
But in terms of Labour in government, they always, and similar, you know, you could argue with the Greens as well, they essentially make this argument that, well, we get some changes and we have to, you know, compromise so much and we can't get everything. And one of the things that they haven't got and didn't get was the area of housing. And really, you know, if we look back, it was Alan Kelly as a Labour minister who introduced the housing assistance payment policy, which has been an utter disaster in terms of essentially exposing and, you know, as, 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 as a form of social housing, it is not social housing. It was essentially a subsidy for landlords to keep landlords afloat um, during the, while well, the, the mortgage arrears of landlords shot through the roof. Um, and of course, we're now in a situation where we're spending close to a billion a year to landlords to house 60,000 tenants. Um, yes. when, if you actually spent that money on building homes, you would have those 60,000 housed over 12 years in permanent social housing. Um, and I think what's happened is, and, and my, my, you know, I think whatever government is in place, I think that it's society needs to demand something different from whatever government is in place. And, and I would think, you know, whatever is the next government elected, be that Sinn Féin or whoever, we will need to have a changed conversation and a changed demand and a changed um, value system around housing if we're going to get something different from the government. Too many people still, though it is changing, still have the attitude that property, housing is about property investment and not about home. I just want to ask you a final question, Rory, uh, about where we're headed if we don't do something radical, uh, if we don't have that referendum, and if we don't make a commitment to the present generation of 30-somethings and future generations to come. Where are we heading in terms of, and people have always talked about the, the guard and the nurse, well, and it's become almost derisory when you mention that. But without nurses, and I'm sometimes in hospitals these days, and you see these brilliant people, young doctors as well, and you know that they, they're not, they may be driving 50 or 60 miles uh, to work and back. Uh, in fact, I had a conversation with a young nurse recently, and she said, I can't envisage a time when I'll be able to live near this hospital. I mean, where are we going if we continue along this road? I think, Eamon, you know, you raise something so fundamental um, because the question will be, who will teach in our schools? Like you talk yes. about nurses. No, child, teachers, absolutely. Childcare workers, you know, people who work in the yep. crashes are paid, you know, 30,000 maybe a year. There's not a county in Ireland they can afford to buy a home. The very best people in our society. The, the, the cleaners, people, the, the yes. bus drivers, the, you know, the people who run our society. And that is where we've got it all wrong. And I think you look, ask, where are we going? Well, you look at where we are now and imagine it getting worse year by year. And I yes. described it in my book as a potential housing dystopia, I called it. Yes. Where essentially you have a generation and all future generations locked into the investor fund, uh, rental, yes. you know, high rents, being given no option but to basically rent from these, because this is what the investor funds want. They want generations locked permanently into their housing. Yes. And there is no point they're going to provide affordable rental housing. They don't want rents to fall. You know, government have been completely bought in by them, captured by them, um, as to 
the and that has been part of the reason why government hasn't built because they're afraid to disturb this market which is essentially their new gods they're worshiping and um, yeah. you know it's it's the post colonial mindset we we can't do things ourselves and i think that it is deeply we're going to see emigration increase further by from our brightest and best in this country yeah. who will see no future here and go i'm already talking to them they go why the hell would i stay here when i yeah. can't see where would i be able to have a family in yes. security where would I be able to settle down in a community and not have to think about moving my kid around every two or three years if the landlord is selling up, you know, yeah. and, and the, the, the trauma on that. And I actually think that there is a sense of, and I, I actually think it is going to be expressed at the next election, a sense of collective shame and disgust yes. at what we are doing to homeless children, traumatizing them, tens of thousands, at what we are doing to our own children. You know, and the future generations, people don't want this. They saw the property model broke during the Celtic Tiger. The government has tried to resurrect it, but people don't want it. They want homes and communities that are built around people and communities. And I do feel that if we don't make a dramatic change to a state construction company, to prioritizing affordable housing over the market, that things will get much worse. And they can. You look across the water in the UK, you look at England. Yep. And yeah. that's where we could be in this situation where people are just permanently locked and not just, as you say, the poor, middle class people, you know, yeah. people on very good incomes are essential people. And you have to give people hope, you know, if you want. And yeah. they have to have hope in a future. And they also need to feel part of society and having a home. Why, why the hell as a country can we not ensure everybody has a home? It, it, it just seems yeah. to me. Like for our economy, for our society, we should do that. And that means the state doing a lot of it, a lot more than it does currently and a lot more than I think, you know, people are currently realizing that if we really want to solve this, that's what's needed. Okay, Rory, we're very grateful to you for joining us on The Stand. Rory Hearn is Assistant Professor of Social Policy at Maynooth. He published a book in 2020 called Housing Shock, which uh, might have needed a new title. Uh, if it was published uh, today. And Rory has a podcast with uh, Tony Grove, the two of them, and it's called Reboot. So we're grateful to Rory, of course, and to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.